If you're watching this channel, it's because you don't enjoy watching the world squander what Christendom built, but you want to do your part. And chances are you've heard me mention a great means by doing just that. Email made by and for Catholics. Check out fide.email. That's F-I-D-E-I dot email. Built for Catholic individuals, families, organizations, and groups. They're private, secure, and of course, they're Catholic. And they're offering two months off on your first year for an annual subscription if you enter the coupon code return to tradition without spaces that's the name of this channel without spaces at checkout it's clear that the modernists are nervous we've passed an inauspicious anniversary with barely a comment from the media and the establishment two years ago on the feast of our lady of mount carmel which lands on july 16th francis the great and merciful issued traditionis custodis a document that even his secular allies called heavy-handed. It certainly was successful in achieving one of its intended effects. There are now fewer apostolic masses available for the layperson than at any time in recent history, but it failed on a lot of other fronts. Bishops are dragging their feet in fully implementing the document, including its call for re-educating traditional Catholics into how great the new mass and the new religion it brought with it are. The two years since this happened has seen Francis stack the College of Cardinals for the next conclave, which will elect his successor. But here's the thing. The modernists are nervous. Reportedly, Francis is huh, very unpopular with the established old guard of cardinals, hence why he is going to such lengths to continue replacing cardinals every year and doing it by choosing men from far-flung reaches of the church. To secure his vision, he pretty much has to. Traditionus Custodus wasn't popular two years ago, and it still frankly isn't. So let's dive into the story today. But first, I wanted to give a big thanks to the patrons and channel members who help keep the lights on here at Return to Tradition HQ. If you like the content like this, consider chipping in a dollar or two a month through one of the options below in the description box, and you'll get the occasional extra content from me, like what my patrons got this past few, uh, few days ago, along with early access to the videos for the back half of the week. There are Patreon and subscribe star links in the description box. Anyway, thanks and on to our story. And let's start with the anniversary itself, folks. Traditionus Custodus. Two years ago at this time it was all any of us were really talking about. I distinctly recall the New York Times reporting on the story of the suppression of the Latin Mass, and the New York Times was not exactly enthusiastic about the whole thing. The document hasn't exactly been enforced in most dioceses. Now, I'd wager this is one reason Francis chose to make the papal nuncio to the U.S. a cardinal, by the way, so he would be able to exert more pressure on the bishops to suppress the Latin Mass. This story comes from 1 Peter 5 with the headline, Papalist Failure, Traditionis Custodis, Two Years Later. The author is a poet and doesn't know it. And the author, by the way, is T.S. Flanders, and it should provide a spark of hope for you. Hence why the document is a failure. Quote, but let's look at this for a minute. Think about it. Because if we take a step back from that and consider what has happened and not happened, this is actually good news. We reported last year on the one-year anniversary. I'm now quoting their old article. At the time of this writing, according to traditionuscustodis.info, 244 dioceses have responded to the motu proprio. Of these, only 26, or 10.65%, have suppressed all the Latin masses in their dioceses. Another 37, 15.16, have suppressed some but not all Latin masses. So compared to the first attempt at suppression in 1969, we have a night and day difference. About 75% of bishops responded to the decree and refused to implement it. This does not count other dioceses which simply ignored it completely. 
like the massive dioceses of Los Angeles and New York City, which together include some two dozen Latin masses. We of course remember that the premise of Traditionis Custodis was that a survey to the bishops returned negative results about the Latin mass. Shortly after the motu proprio, Dion Montagna presented evidence that this survey did not have this negative result at all. One year later, the lack of any enthusiastic response from the bishops corroborates Miss Montagna's evidence. So what has changed since then? According to the latest stats from traditionuscustodis.info, only 17 more dioceses have even responded to Traditionus Custodis. Compared to the first year, that's only a 7% response rate. And of the responses, 175 bishops refused to suppress the Latin Mass, which is 67% of all responding bishops. So we have a slight drop of total bishops responding positively. But let's remember something. This is only from those bishops who have responded. The massive dioceses previously mentioned, Los Angeles and New York, have still ignored this unjust decree. How many other dioceses have ignored this decree? End quote. Because again, that was only America. Now the article goes on to basically declare that this marks the end of what they like to call the hyper-uber-ultramontanist regime in Rome. That's the basically the view that Francis is an oracle. He's a practically God himself. Now, we'll see about all that, though. I fully expect a Francis II or Paul VII to follow Francis, since the numbers don't lie, and frankly, the elephant in the room is the role of the secular governments in all this, their NGOs, the media, and the pressure that they'll all exert on the conclave that elects the next Roman pontiff. Those institutions put a whole lot of pressure on the Second Vatican Council, to the point where historians dubbed it the Media Council, for crying out loud. Now, don't expect anything different this time, though. And before we move on to the nervousness of the modernists, I want to point something out. I have expected a follow-up to Traditionis Custodis since the initial document was released, and no, I am not counting the responses at dubia that Cardinal Roach in December of 2021 released as a follow-up. At some point, Francis or a Francis II will issue a follow-up. They'll try to force compliance on this issue, and whoever that is will have a lot of power to enforce his will. Ask the bishop they've already removed for not complying, with Francis's will on other issues about that. But that exercise of power has come at a cost. A lot of the cardinals simply don't really seem to like Francis, and so Francis is having to respond by filling the College of Cardinals with a whole bunch of, frankly, outsiders to ecclesial power. Headline from America Magazine. Pope Francis now has the cardinals he needs for the next conclave. It may not be enough to secure his legacy. Now that article is by Father Thomas Reese S.J., and he's worried about the next conclave the same way that most of us are worried about it. That conclave could come in 2024, though I suspect Francis will hang on for a few more years yet. But the legacy of Francis is what they're worried about. Francis's legacy is to be the great reformer. His job was to cement the modernist triumph at Vatican II and rule in the church, and they are legitimately worried that this could all come undone sooner rather than later. And why? Because resistance is growing to him and to their ideas. Among the bishops and the traditional faith is growing among the laity. All you have to do is go to any Latin mass parish, spend any time there, and you'll see that. But more than that, most of the new cardinals made under Francis don't actually know each other. And that is a recipe for a chaotic, messy conclave that is entirely unpredictable, though I'm going to give you an alternative view after we hear from Father Rees here. So from the article, quote, It is there highly unlikely that the next pope will be in sympathy with the direction Francis has been leading the church, but in conclaves there are no guarantees. 
Certainly, there have been surprises in the past, such as John the Twenty-Third, John Paul the First, and John Paul the Second. On the other hand, no one was surprised by the elections of Pius the Twelfth, Paul the Sixth, and Benedict the Sixteenth. But Francis's impact on the College of Cardinals is greater than just numbers. He has also just dramatically changed where the cardinals come from. Prior to Francis, certain sees, such as Venice and Milan, were considered cardinalatial. That is, their archbishops automatically became cardinals. Francis threw this tradition out the window and has appointed cardinals from far-flung dioceses that had rarely, if ever, had a cardinal. For example, the most recent batch of cardinals include prelates from Malaysia and South Sudan, which have never had cardinals eligible to vote in a conclave. Nixing the practice of appointing cardinals from the traditional sees, mostly large and wealthy, often European, freed Francis to skip people who historically would have been appointed, but who were not in line with his priorities. As a result of Francis's appointments, the geographical representation in the college has changed dramatically, in favor of the developing world. After the consistory, about half of the cardinals will be from the developing world, as compared to 35% at the 2013 conclave that elected Francis. Finally, although Francis made cardinals of his top appointments in the Vatican Curia, he has reduced the percent of cardinal electors who are from the church's bureaucracy. At the conclave that elected him, 35% of the cardinals were from the Curia. After the September consistory, they will make up only 22.6% of the electors. It is too early to predict the outcome of the next conclave, but Pope Francis has set the stage through his appointments. The votes from Europe and the Roman Curia have been reduced. The voice of the global south has been increased. The conclave will be made up primarily of pastors who, like Francis, remember the poor. This does not mean a reformer will be elected as the next pope. Progressives should remember that cardinals from the global south do not necessarily have progressive views on the rights of women and the James Martin crowd. They can be economically liberal and culturally conservatives. Many, myself included, believe that some cardinals at the 2013 conclave thought they were electing a theologically conservative when they voted for Jorge Mario Bergoglio. Because they come from all over the world, many of the cardinals at the next conclave will not know each other very well. Since the conclave rules and recent tradition encourage a quick election, cardinals will have to go through the equivalent of, a, of speed dating to get to know one another. With no leading candidates at the time, we could be in for another surprise. The spirit breathes where it will. End lengthy quote. The inability to predict at all the next conclave is something that observers have been complaining about for the same reason for years. And these are observers from all across the sort of uh, theological and ideological spectrum in the church. By de-emphasizing the Roman Curia, the cardinals know fewer of the candidates who are the most papabile, meaning the most electable to the papacy. But they can also be seen in a different way. The members of the Roman Curia, Cardinal Graish, Cardinal Hollerick, Cardinal Tobin, Cardinal Perelin, and a few others, are the most well-known to those bishops from the developing world. They're the ones with the most that they are dealt with the most consistently when those cardinals visit Rome. That makes them much more likely to become pope just because they're already known figures. Of course, it's not a guarantee, and I'm certainly not claiming that Hollerick is going to become the next pope or anything, though if he did emerge on the Logia, I would not be surprised. I would be horrified, but I would not be surprised.
But the reverse of the usual concern is also true. The fewer candidates the new Cardinals actually know, the more likely they are to trust or overly distrust the ones they work with the most in Rome. But I'm curious, do you think Francis's unpopularity among the bishops is likely to be a cause for concern for the modernists in the next conclave? Assuming there is one in the next year or two, or do you think other events will influence the conclave, like geopolitical events, the rise of some otherwise unknown cardinal in the College of Cardinals? Let me know what you think in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't, it does help. So to sharing this on social media, that helps a lot too. Again, thanks to the patrons for your support of the channel. Greatly appreciated. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.